What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Mongols Podcast, sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. I'm Mike. With me is Kev and Riverhounds head coach Bob Lilly. Together, we're going to get Coach's thoughts on 2019, all everything that's going on in the offseason, what he's expecting for 2020, and more. It is going to be a good time. Let's go! I think that's a great question. Now we got to get into the nitty-gritty. Coach, welcome back to the show. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, first of all, before we get into all the questions we got, we know that you don't do what you do for the accolades, but we got to congratulate you on being named a finalist for Coach of the Year. You know, the, the way the team was firing on all cylinders down the stretch was was truly inspiring, so, so kudos to you. I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, the players put a lot of us in opportunities to get some postseason awards, and, you know, it was a great season. So uh, I was honored. You know, I, I think all of us, they're nice, but really we're all trying to win a championship, and with that we fell a little bit short. So, uh, But hopefully we just keep working at it and, and making this franchise better so that we have opportunities next year and beyond. You know, trying to trying to get into your head a little bit, um, you know, how much of this year's success would you chalk up to sort of changes that you make on a game-by-game basis versus the system that you sort of try to put to place in training camp and really early in the season um, and, and just sort of believe in and trust in as the year unfolds? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, a lot of people think we're system-based, and, and I think we are, but it's more principles than, than a set system because we're changing tactics constantly. Uh, but there's things that we do uh, in terms of, of our approach uh, that we want to pressure, we want to make teams uncomfortable, there's different ways to do that. Uh, our willingness to take risk and commit players into the attack. There's certain things we do and, no matter what shape or system we line up in, uh, we want to be able to, to, to be ourselves, you know, and, and I think we're growing with that. Um, you know, this year we had, a, we had, we had, we had a slow start. I don't think we made big changes. We just finally woke up. If anything, we as staff didn't do well enough or get them prepared enough in preseason or early in the season. We were complacent, whether it was staff, the players. To me, you know, we had that good first year. I think we took some things for granted. Uh, it's tough to know. I mean, I, I don't think we were as good in training camp or, or early in the season. Um, but once we, we started – uh, putting the work in, everyone, uh, and we got a few wins and the confidence built. We were we were very strong the last four or five months of the season heading into the playoffs. And I mean, I think that once we hit our stride, you could see the potential of, of uh, this year's team. I mean, kind of picking up on that slow start and and all the work that goes into training camp and everything, um, to kind of set the context of, of this conversation that I want to dive a bit deeper in I mean there was it, it seemed like mid-June was kind of a big inflection point for the for the season um at the win against Atlanta uh 5-0 seemed to be the turning point and after that the team didn't really look back but yeah before that going you know to, to the slow start you mentioned I mean yeah all the way back to to St. Louis there was a stretch where there was four draws in a row against St. Louis Nashville Charleston and and Charlotte um with some you know losses thrown in there as well I mean you mentioned, I don't know, complacency or anything like that. But was there anything that happened in in mid June as far as you know a conversation you guys had in the locker room, um, something that you wanted to change in your system, um, certain players that you started giving a chance, um, or was it simply that 
you know, maybe luck hadn't gone the team's way early in the season and finally things start to change, you get momentum and, and you know, things to keep rolling from there. Well, I mean, we, we, we did have talks because when you're sitting in 13th place, where I'm not happy, but none the staff wasn't happy. My owner wasn't happy. Players weren't happy. So, I mean, we talked about, you know, turning these ties into wins. We have to stay the course, you know, with the work. Uh, for sure, we were looking at a lot of tape at that point, trying to clean up. You know, we played really well in Charleston. We're up 2-0, and they got two late goals, and we it ended a 2-2 tie. Um, there were other games. The Nashville tie, you know, we got a tie, but we're, we're outplayed because we weren't aggressive the first half. The second half, we came out and played, and um, we knew we weren't at our top level, but we also felt like we we hadn't taken responsibility. Uh, you know, there's only so much you can say that we're unlucky or the refs or whatever other excuse you want to make. We had only won two games in 11. Um, but we just focused on, look, we've given points away. We're tying some games we should be winning. We're giving some points away needlessly because of poor defending we need to tighten our game we need to be accountable we need to work harder and we need to stop taking shortcuts and we had plenty of those talks some of them were just me, me talking <laughs> right telling them that that was the expectation um but i i think they bought in and they and they stuck together they worked hard you know and i challenged them and and once we started gaining, they got, you know, they got laser focused and just kept grinding out results and had everyone else was having slip ups and they stayed consistent. I've never seen a team uh, hold on to their form for as long as our group did this year. And I said to Tuffy, you know, as we started winning and we were maybe. 10 games left in the season, I said, yeah, we're playing well now, but it's going to have to be hard to run this through the end of the season. Uh, so said, to, we just got to stop. To pick Our up day. on that, I mean, did you did you worry that maybe you guys peaked too early and that you would kind of fall off a cliff uh, heading into the playoffs? No, I just told them, look, if we want to get a home, I mean, we didn't have a choice. Yeah, you always worried if you have enough energy to go all the way through. Um, but we didn't have a choice because we knew we knew if you finish fifth or sixth, you don't get a home game. You, you go on the road, and we knew if you finish seven, eight, nine, ten, okay, if you're seven and eight, you get a home game. <laughs> but means you play on Wednesday and have no chance in the next round like Birmingham yeah. had to play in North Carolina and then turn around and come up here and play us rested on the weekend. One, so, one of the best games of the year for me. <laughs> the only, it, was, it was a fantastic game, but the only yeah. the only thing that made sense to Tuffy and I every time we talked about it was to try to get to the top four. And he wanted us to do it before we were even in the top six. And I just told him, well, let us try to get in the top six so we don't have to play a play-in game. And maybe we can get close enough to put a little pressure on those teams. And you never know. So we had those discussions in terms of, can we get back in it? We're playing well. We're going to have a lot of road games and tough games at the end of the year. But if we get somewhere close enough to touch it we may be able to we we actually may be able to reach it and accomplish it and we kept our form and we kept inching closer and closer and around us some of those teams ahead of us were dropping points um and we actually with 
with, uh, I think there was eight or nine games to go in the season. We, I think it was eight games. We, uh, in the locker room, we, we did a bunch of projections with points and talked to the guys how many goals we think we need and we could only allow X amount of goals the last eight to ten games, whatever. What I had it all written down, and we spent probably an hour one morning, and we gave them targets. We said 62 points may get you in the top four because we didn't know how many points the other teams would drop. 65 points will definitely get you in the top four, and we showed them the record 65 will definitely get you in the top four and it may get you higher. But at that point, it still looked like Tampa, New York, Indy could all, could all get more than 65 along with Nashville. Yeah. But we figured if we got to 65, we definitely would get in the top four. As it turns out, 65 would have had us in, in second, uh, 62 would have had us in in uh, in in uh, in third place, just behind Indy. Yeah, I mean, but, like talking talking about teams falling off a cliff towards the end of the playoffs. I mean, I think we we're all a little New surprised, York, but New York and Tampa dropped points we never expected them to. Yeah. yeah, but I think I think we nailed it, and we drew a clear picture and a path for our guys. And I mean. But they, they, their mentality, I mean, you know, it was very difficult to go to, into St. Louis when they were desperate for a win, were playing pretty well, had everything to play for at home, a good crowd. And we, we couldn't get a tie. We could play great. We had to find a way. we get the late goal. But, I mean, for a road game against a potential playoff team, I mean, we, we – controlled that entire game and just kept knocking on the door until we broke them. And, you know, that was, that was a, that was maybe as good a performance. I mean, it's tough when you win seven zero in the playoffs against Birmingham, but I think that, that in terms of a road performance of being in that much control of a game, with that much on the line. I mean, if we drop any points in St. Louis or Birmingham, we're not finishing first overall. And the day we inched ahead of Nashville and got ourselves in first, I could sense that they weren't going to let it go. Now, if you'd asked me five minutes ago in Birmingham, <laughs> I would have said it doesn't look good. A lot of <laughs> And I wasn't expecting Mark Forrest to come in and save the day, but uh, cult hero Mark Forrest, he will never be forgotten. <laughs> for us. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, listen, they they worked hard. I mean, the one thing we talked about was if we hit a bump, we have to respond immediately, and we knew looking at it. We're chasing, chasing. We can't give any points away. We have to fight for three points. We're still in July. We're still in August. How are we going to close this gap? We won all those games, or a lot of them. And when we're talking at the end of August, we still have, or middle of August, we still have eight to ten games left. And we said... We're probably gonna we're probably gonna hit a dip. We're gonna drop a game somewhere that we shouldn't, or someone's just gonna beat us. As long as we don't let that linger, and if we hit a slide, it it's hopefully one game, two games at the most, and then we go on another run. But we have to react. We have to be able to respond. All these wins, when you run out of gas, sometimes you'll see a team struggle for four or five games where their form's not good. 
maybe they only lose two of the games, but then they tie two and they only win one. Like, no, they don't lose five in a row. But a tie you, in this league, you you tie, you might as well lose because it's two dropped points, right? Yeah. And we just talked about if we hit a bad spot, a bad moment, we need to be able to respond uh, immediately. And that happened the North Carolina game where we got blown out. I mean, we, we were playing well. We were winning games. We win that big game in New York Red Bull. In fact, that's when we talked to the group was right after the North Carolina game. That is when we, we came in because we lost 5-0. And we, uh, we brought the group in. And we said, hey, we got to respond this week. We can get to 62 points. We can get to 65 points. We got to let that go. And we need to focus on, you know, getting three points this week and making sure that that mentally we're we're gonna we're gonna achieve and we're gonna go after a top four finish. And I think uh, that's a that's a player thing. I mean, they were they were tight. I think we we felt a little bit as a staff that we shouldn't have been we shouldn't have had to be that productive for that long. Uh, it's just that that poor start really put us behind the eight ball. Yeah, I mean, after that um, North Carolina game, uh, you know, you, you don't lose again for the rest of the season. There's three ties in there, but everything else is wins until until the playoffs. It's an incredible uh, response. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, that was it's like there's no way we're not going to get a bad call or a bad bounce. And I mean, yeah. they were playing us off the park, but we had rotated guys. We didn't have our starting our our, our, our full lineup because we had played midweek in New York. We were just trying to get to half, frustrate them. They get the goal right before half with the penalty kick, red card to Van Kaisel. And it's 1-0, and we're down a man. And we still wanted to try to play the second half, maybe steal a goal somewhere. But they scored right away, and, and they put five on us that night. We could have hung our heads, but we had had so many good results. We just said, look, what are we trying to accomplish? We put all this work to get ourselves back in the hunt. Here's our target. We need this many points. I know exactly how many. There were 11 games left because I think we told them, I'm pretty sure we were at, uh, I'm pretty sure we were at, I want to say 41, I think it was 41 points at that point. We're going to need 21 points to get to 62. 24, 24 points to get to 65. So you got to win eight games. Or you could win seven, lose one, and tie three. <laughs> Do you know, I said, or you could win six. You can win six. And tie five, like we we were are, are giving them all the scenarios uh, it, to be able to get the twenty one to twenty four points. We had it all written on the on the whiteboard in the locker room, and we were going through all that with them. Um, so I they mean, p- listen, they picked we a pretty were, good one, I'll we say. Were, yeah, <laughs> we were we were fortunate. We were fortunate because you, you could pick up. Uh, you know, a bad bounce here or there. Things happen in the sport that it's tough to to play, you know, averaging that many points. I mean, us and us and Phoenix, Phoenix had a slow start in the West for their first six or seven games. If you go back and look, they started slow and then they went on that twenty game win streak. Mm-hmm. Which is phenomenal, right? Yeah. So 
I just think I just think you know they had a, a really good team, and I think we were able to do that. And you know, I, the disappointing thing, and I don't think we ran out of gas. I think I think we were prepared for the moment against Louisville. Um, disrupted their rhythm, got a goal. They they struggled to create much, and their first shot on goal is when they scored. I think probably a goal that should have been should have been uh, saved. Um, you know, we, we 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 it was a missed opportunity. If we had taken better care of the ball, I think we would have had the energy to to continue to disrupt their play. But we were guilty of, you know, giving giving the ball away a lot more than we should have. Um, and it's tough to press, give the ball away, press, give the ball away, press, give the ball away, you know. So I think had we been a little bit better uh, when we had the ball, Maybe we get a second goal, or at the very least, we we don't run out of gas. And I, I did feel like in the overtime, we we uh, we were outplayed and and we were hanging on. And I and I think Louisville brought some some quality subs in that that tilted it in their favor. And to their credit, they they hung in there in the first half when when uh when we were we were in the ascendancy and 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 didn't give up that second goal and you know i know early in the second half nico rounded the keeper and had a chance to put us up to a hoax so it's just it's one of those things that that it's soccer right and you know we weren't able to climb that 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 mountain on that night but i think uh I think the club took another big step forward uh, this year after a good season in 2018, and we'll want to take another step forward next year. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, yes, you know, the the playoff loss, it hurt, but at the same time... I don't want anybody to overlook the phenomenal season that the Hounds had. I mean, I, our, our buddy Ryan Allen, who is on the USL show, ranked this team as the fifth best USL team of all time based on ELO ratings. Um, so nothing can be taken away from from this team. And, you know, you mentioned Mark Forrest. It was announced that, that the Hounds picked up the options of eight players from 2019 for 2020. He was one of them. Considering the success from 2019, is the plan to try to just sort of pick up from where you left off this past season or do you have something new in mind heading into 2020? Well, I mean, we, we have obviously, uh, Forrest, Velarde, Rivera, those are younger players, uh, along with Mertz, but you know, Dos Santos is a big piece for us and certainly helped contribute to, to the raised productivity and attack not even necessarily just based on his goals, but uh, he draws a lot of attention and open space for other players. Um, I think Robbie Mertz had an excellent rookie year. I think Canardo has shown his quality time and time again. And, and I mean, Ryan James is one of the most versatile players. Ryan James and Thomas Van Kysiel are two of the most versatile players in the league in my mind mm-hmm. um you know it's a really good core i mean it's it's we're still working on some contracts with our guys and and we're hoping to get a few more of those guys that were out of contract back here um but when you win everyone comes after your pieces aggressively um my job is to get uh, the best players here under our budget that I can. And sometimes uh, players leave because someone's willing to pay them a little bit more than us. 
and we actually think we may get a better player uh, for, a, for a lower number. And it's just we need to build depth. I think last year we had a really strong group of players from one to 13. And although Rivera and Forrest, they weren't given the time last year, but we believe in those players and we think they'll play a much bigger part this year. But there was a drop off in our, in our depth. And I think this year when we're, we're looking to sign players, they can't just be cover players. They, we, we need to feel like they can contribute. Um, I think the best teams in our league had 18 to 20 players that, uh, and I, I felt like those guys made contributions and some games we played a lot of our reserves and, but there was definitely a, a, a gap. Our bottom, our bottom seven or eight guys, there was, they weren't ready for extended minutes. And had we had some injuries down the stretch, it would have been more difficult for us. And this year, when there's injuries or when we need to have certain impact type players off the bench, I just think we need to be deeper. And so I'm hoping that as good as our, as good as our starting group was last year, I'm hoping to build a starting group that is as stronger, stronger. And I'm hoping that the quality and depth of our bench gets better this year because I think when you're playing the Indies and Nashville's and Louisville and Tampa Bay, I think that's an important piece of the puzzle. I mean, picking up the the course of a long season, listen, last year, if you think about our starting group, which you guys could name and you'd say, okay, sometimes, Kerr was out of the lineup or every once in a while Robbie was rested or Dabo, but basically you had a starting goalie, 10 field players, uh, and then generally either Dabo, Kevin Kerr, or Robbie Mertz was left out. So one sub there and Valeski off the bench. So you're looking at 12 field players, and a goalie, so 13 deep. And then there was a pretty big drop-off in terms of guys being game-ready for those big moments and those big games. And that's part of building, you know, we've, we've changed the culture. We're still trying to increase the overall. I mean, we were able to take a good core from year one and bring it into this year and add the pieces. I don't think we got all the pieces right last year in the off season. We certainly had a good starting unit, but I don't think we got all the pieces right. And we're going back to fix that. And we'll have exciting young players coming through again this year, but we'll also have, uh, in my opinion, some 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 free agent signings and some guys that have experience uh, that will also be important, you know, because we're losing some good players uh, with experience as well. Um, but we have the framework and we have a clear picture of how we want to go about this. I'm trying to give you some insight on it, but. <laughs> You can just start naming names. That's fine. We won't yeah, tell Toffee. It it's fine. It's yeah. okay. Just, no one's going to listen. It's fine. It's just us here. No one's listening. No, I, listen. We're it, kidding. It's right, right now. Yeah, right now. Right now. I mean, look, the market is is good. You know, we just had an invite combine, and we thought there were 16 guys there. Out of We had 
50 field players. We like three out of the six goalkeepers. Wow. Uh, they're all potential. Um, we want to see more. We don't want to take the first player in all cases because there could be something better. And you sign early, you're locked in. Um, we have, uh, if we get the right free agents in a key position, we'll move early. If we have everything we need to know about that player, that they're the right fit, we'll make some decisions before Christmas. Um, but we're not, you know, we're not in a rush when you have players that haven't been dropped from MLS that haven't been picked up. Some of those players are still waiting to see if they go uh, into camp somewhere and, and try to earn a contract that way. Uh, the college market, there's a lot of good college players that we didn't have this weekend here because they're still hoping to get into the MLS. Uh, there's not many that will go there and stick. There will be players let go by MLS at the end of January and early February. Uh, many of them will be younger. Uh, if it's an older player, uh, if it fits the right need and the experience helps us, it's an option. Um, but in many cases, uh, the grind that look, uh, Ben Zemanski was, was quite solid for us the year he was here. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't think Ben Zemanski, he was solid and he was a good piece and we finished third overall. But I think, you know, the production from, from Robbie Mertz, uh, this past year was, was just as important and just as consistent as what we got out of Ben the year before. Uh, and I think it brings a certain energy into the group as well. Um, you know, we, we, we want to, we want to be a little, little bit younger than we were last year, but we're, we're going to, there's a lot of players that are available in the market. Um, and it's us getting, getting the best player, uh, at the right price. Because when you get a good player at a good price, frees up money to get a better player or a better option somewhere else. Or it allows you uh, to put some added money to make your depth stronger. And there's a lot of ways, you know, to juggle uh, your budget, but... You have to be efficient. You got to get good value for the players that you have, um, and obviously, you know, with with uh, you know Kenny and Thomas, like they're players that you build around, you know, and and they, you know, we we after their first year with us, we renegotiated and we have rights to them. This year, uh, we're going to renegotiate with some of these guys uh, going forward here. Uh, our priority is on, is on some of the guys that are out of contract right now because there's other teams uh, talking to them as well. Um, but, you know, we, we have a lot of work to do internally with our roster still uh, at the same time where we had an open combine, we've had an invite combine out of the 16 players to go back. I've jumped around a little bit. The, the, you know, some of those guys are going to be in, in training camp at, on trial. We already like them. We just want to see them with our guys. They're not all going to sign elsewhere. There's a few that, we may we may sign right away. We were having meetings with it today. We may sign early because we don't want to. We're we're sure on them, and so by making an early decision, we don't risk losing them somewhere else. Um, 
We have another invite combine in January. We are uh, we are looking at the foreign market as well, uh, and 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 that's. I mean, there's there's so many players that are offered every year through the agents, uh, and it's global now. Now I focus more on the U.S market and a lot of the foreign players come from here and through the college system because they've already adapted they're they're a safer bet sometimes just like with mls they've gotten better uh they've gotten better in their player selection but the early years of mls they brought a lot of foreign guys in and, and spent big money, and those guys didn't work out. And you know, you're 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 trying to get foreign players that can play right away, don't have a long adjustment period uh, to be effective for you, um, and they got to fit into your into your into your budget. Um, all those things have to be considered. And sometimes we can't fill what we need in the, in Rochester, we were struggling with forwards. We had been through the market here, couldn't find the right forwards. And we brought in a couple of foreign players, Steven Dos Santos being one of them on trial. And we signed Dos Santos in 2015. And he helped us win a championship there and, I think had we won a championship this year, he would have been a big part of that. So there's always there's always the opportunity for 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 those uh, those specific players if there's a specific need to look outside the borders here in the U.S. Just, just very quickly, I mean, is there a date you have on your calendar circled saying, you know, I want my squad, my full squad by this date so I can have a, you know, the training camp I want? Or is it really just trying to find, you know, the right balance between getting the right players in and, and being patient? I won't, I won't move. I won't move until I get what I want. So a lot of people question it every year, but for 20 years, I haven't rushed decisions. I'm, I'm just not wired that way. Um, I think the longer you wait, as long as you're working that whole time, you're only learning more and more and more and more about the market. And the more you know about the market, the better decisions you make. Um, Player, a player that may go at one price now on February 1st, if they don't have a job, you get them, you get them for a better price. Uh, right now, you know, the, the, the players, oh, I may go MLS, I may go here, I may go here. Everyone has foreign spots, so... You know, they have lots of options. I think uh, there's a lot of value if you do your homework. And like I said, if you get the right player now that you know fits your system and you can get them at a, at a, at a fair and reasonable price, then you, then you want to move on that so you don't lose that that player that's the right fit um but the more you know about the market uh you go into training camp with foreign spots available and the right foreign player falls out of the mls tree you have that flexibility to get that player you have that money left in the budget uh we we hold a combine I told you there's 16 guys. We sign if we sign a couple. There's 14 players left that we like that think could maybe help us. I wouldn't be able to tell you. I'm not smart enough to tell you after two days. Anyone could have a good two days. Another guy that we like maybe wasn't quite at his best. 
we're not 100% sure. If I sign them now, they may or may not work out. But out of the 14, six of them may sign. Let's say six of them sign with another club. Okay, they were ready to sign them right now. The other eight, we still like. A lot of years, eight of those guys aren't signed. Maybe a few of them have been offered to go into other training camps. But there's a good chance that five or six of those players come into our training camp unsigned. We have another combine in late January. There may be another five, six guys we really like. And so we got 10 to 12 guys coming in that we like into camp. And we think they can help us. We've done our homework. And in a lot of cases, we got those 10 to 12 players coming in. They fit our budget. We like what they offer. And they're competing for five or six spots. And now you're not making a guess which are the five guys you think are going to fit best out of those 12 players. You're actually going to have them on trial for two weeks. And now I got 12 good players that I can take the six best. And maybe I have two guys that we're looking at at right back. Now, instead of me guessing after one or two days, I've seen them, I like both of them, I bring them in, and after two weeks, I'm going to know which one I think is the better fit for us. And so I'm, I'm typically someone that I want to go into training camp with 16 to 18 guys signed because then I have eight, I have eight to ten spots. Uh, you know, or eight spots available. I can pick up free agents, a couple from MLS late. If it's a specific fit, I've got, uh, you know, if I don't, if we don't have those spots open, we wouldn't have been able to sign Robbie Mertz's in Colorado. If we, if we didn't have those spots open, I wouldn't have been able to pick up Robbie Mertz as late as we did last year. Uh, if we didn't have those spots open, I wouldn't have had Thomas Van Kaisel, who didn't sign till the end of training camp in year one. Um, so, you know, I think we'll go into camp, and at some point in camp, yeah, we'll have five weeks in camp before we go into our first game. And I'd like to be pretty close after two weeks of camp and maybe we still have three or four spots in play and, and I'll keep looking and there's been years where training camp's over and I still have left a few spots because I haven't found what I'm looking for and I think last year I was I was guilty of signing a couple of guys at the end of training camp, Robbie not being one of them, but signing a few guys at the end that I wasn't crazy about, but felt like we had a pretty good team and I was just ready to move on. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But typically, you know, we won't find guys off of video. We won't find guys off of a resume. You can get a European player, the agent's like he's played here and here and here. Uh, he's going to be able to help you. He's going to be good enough. Well, they don't know what we have. I think they undervalue the U.S. market, although that's changing. We're starting to send players the other way more and more. And I think, uh, you know, there's nothing better than seeing how Steven Dos Santos fit in the locker room in Rochester, knowing when we signed him that he was going to help us. And, you know, I think you make mistakes when you don't try to 
get the players in front of you and and work with them a little bit. Um, at the end of the day, you know, we have to put a team together and all the pieces have to work. It's It's not... You know, there's no guarantees, there's injuries, but uh, some guys don't work out. But you make less mistakes when you, when, you, uh, when you know the market well and you continue to, to look at players and, you know, make decisions uh, when you have a command of all those things and now you, you put them in front with your guys. I mean, if, if Canardo recognizes a player in training camp doing well, I can, I can say, what do you think about this guy? But I, I don't even have to ask usually. You just watch training and the players will start to tell you when we're in training camp, the guys that can play and are going to help us the guys that are already here start to give them the ball and start to trust them. And you can kind of watch and see which guys start to rise uh, to the level. And I think that's a little bit different than, than some teams do it. And it's not to say if I feel like I have the right player, we won't make some moves now. I mean, I don't want to go into late January with only 11 guys signed and still have 13 guys and I'm hoping they're going to materialize because you know there's there's years where I haven't liked center back and I just keep looking and looking and looking and I don't find what I want well then usually I start contacting agents that have players over in Europe and a few times I've had to I've had to pull some rabbits out of the hat late, but I'd rather I'd rather do that sometimes than find guys early, be done by middle of January, and then find out, you know, two months into the season our team isn't good enough. And I think you're every year trying to maximize the upside of your team and every every player you sign is important because even those depth players the one thing I'll say about this year's squad is we may not have had guys ready for all the big games uh, but when I asked them to play I got maximum effort they contributed however they could but I can say this about this year's team the difference between this year's team and last year's team is I felt like every player this year that we had had the right mentality. I felt like in 2018, our team had a good starting group, good players, finished third. It was a pretty successful season. But I felt like there were five or six players that didn't have uh, consistent work habits, and, and I, I felt like I felt like we were a little bit a little bit lacking in terms of our, our mentality. Uh, and this year, we had guys that even if they weren't in the 18-man roster, even guys left out of the 18-man roster was still coming to work every day and and this team was more complete that way even if even if it didn't have as much quality in, in our depth as I would have liked this group this group worked hard and so even the guys that early in the year weren't going to necessarily help us win games by the end of the season some of those guys stepped in and did help us win games and you know, I trusted them more at the end because of how hard they had worked all year, and they got better. And a few of them are going to get a chance to come back and show what they can do in year two, but it's because they showed a lot of growth in year one. 
obviously there's not a lot of squad rotation at the end of the year, even though these guys had grown, because at the end of the year you're trying to find a rhythm and you're not going to make wholesale changes every game. So there's there's a lot there's a lot there. I don't know if I. I mean, I've gone on so long that I don't know how much is clear. <laughs> no, this is this is. I mean, this is all but, fantastic insight for sure. Um, you know, we we've talked a lot about last year's team. We talked a lot about this year's team. Um, we had Tuffy join us, uh, I think, two or three weeks ago, and he was talking about sort of some of the off-season plans for Highmark Stadium, some of the changes that could be coming. Obviously, there's the new facility that the team is building, um, all the training facilities uh, that was in the paper, the partnership with AHN. I guess the the last question, then we'll get you out of here, sort of from your standpoint as the coach, obviously this past season we got new turf, which um, obviously had a, had a positive impact, or at least it felt that way with the team's performance, health, things like that. Is there anything this offseason that you're most looking forward to facility-wise for the team heading into 2020 that you think is ultimately going to be beneficial to both you and the players? No, I mean, listen, I, you know, I want us to have a need uh, to put more seats in the venue. And I know there's not, there's not uh, the greatest uh, amount of space. You know, Tuffy, Tuffy has talked about, um, you know, a revamped press box and, 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 you know, finding a way to uh, get suites and the ability there. There are areas in the corners where where we can add seating. There's talks about overhang, uh, but we have to do our work on the field. I mean, the playoffs, the excitement we generated through our run at the end of the year, um, a lot of teams really struggle at the gate at playoff time. Um, you know, I'm hoping, I thought the salespeople did a really good job, um, you know, with, with, uh, with the playoff games and I'm hoping they're able to, to, to continue to, uh, you know, instead of having twenty five hundred, three thousand at a home game, we'd like to see that in that four to five thousand range, and and some sellouts even during the regular season. Because I think if we create that type of of environment, uh, I, I think it's it's the point where you're adding seats and you're creating an even better atmosphere. It's it's one of the better venues in the league. It's it's a really cool spot with the city there and the river and uh you know it's it's obviously a a venue where we feel comfortable and have won a lot of games the last couple of years and and we're 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 we want to continue to protect our home turf it's it's a big indicator you know of what's going to happen if you can if you can win all those games at home and you know, we've tied more than I would have liked the last two years, but we've dropped very few games at home. And, uh, you know, if you can win at home consistently and pack the house, you're creating an environment for this, this club to grow in this market. And, uh, you know, I think we've, we've shown we can go out on the road and get results. Um, you know, we want to be a top team in the league. And, you know, I think, you know, I came from Rochester, which, you know, was really struggling on the business side and, and was not growing the way we are with our academy and the investments Tuffy's made, but also the partnership with AHN. And, you know, I think we're, we're, we're moving in a really good positive direction and I want to see that growth continue and, and, uh, you know, I think that's the most important thing for us as a team is to keep contributing and help that happen because, uh, 
you know, you, you, you feel, you, you always feel relevant when you're at the top of the table. Um, but you know, the hardest, the hardest work is, is to keep moving this forward on the business side, you know, and, and we have, a lot of good staff members that worked extremely hard, you know, have worked extremely hard and, and now we're giving them some momentum to work off of. And, you know, we, 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 for us, for any franchise to be successful, they, they, they can't just do it on the field. They have to be able to do it, uh, you know, off the field as well in the community and, and I mean, we want to push to be um, significant. You know, I, I don't know that uh, anyone's under any illusion that you know we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna overstep the the Steelers or the Penguins <laughs> right now. I mean, but you know, we wanna we wanna be the fourth major sport in, in Pittsburgh. Uh, and we think soccer is very much in, 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 in a, in a focal point or, or big in this country and it's growing everywhere. And, uh, you know, it's, this city's won a lot of championships and, and, you know, the, the, the fans are loyal and they get behind their teams and, I think, uh, you know, we want to share in that and we want to play a part in that. And I think we're starting to open some eyes and get more attention. And it's just important for us as a team to continue to do our job because it allows us to keep uh, rolling that ball forward. And, you know, we're, we're moving the needle, you know, and, and, and that's important we keep doing that. Absolutely. You you, men- you mentioned that it's been exciting. Um, I was going to say, you know, obviously the past two seasons we've seen tons of growth amongst this team. And, um, you know, you talked a lot about sort of your, your process in terms of waiting to select players. And I think if anybody has an issue with that, I think you mentioned picking up Tommy V and Robbie Mertz. I mean, there's two cases right there that prove your, your tactic of sort of waiting. So, um, yeah, I, I think you know we're we're beyond excited for everything that happened this year, for everything that's going to be going on this off season, for what's going on next year. Um, but uh, you know, obviously, we don't want to take sort of all of your time here. Um, I feel like we need to just do like an in person thing and sit down and uh, and we could just chat for a while. But uh, you know, obviously, huge thanks, Coach, for joining us. Um, we always love talking to you. We really appreciate you taking the time, all of the insight. Um, you know, hopefully, you have a great holiday. Best of luck, um, you know, for this part of the offseason, for the rest of the offseason. Hopefully we'll try to get you back on here before the season starts to sort of see how things have shaken out and sort of how you're feeling before we head into 2020. Thank you for for giving me the time to fully explain myself. That's one area where uh, sometimes it takes me a little bit, a little bit of time. So for, for me just to be able to uh, – you know, give people the chance to kind of know what we're thinking and where we're going. But, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate with a good staff, uh, but also, you know, Tuffy has kind of opened the door for, for us to kind of do this. And, and, you know, I think he's, you know, he's trying to build a winner, a consistent winner. And I think that's the mandate, you know, and, and I think, we're we're moving quickly in that direction but the league keeps growing every year and it gets more and more competitive and you know but this is a proactive club and i think tuffy's created that environment and we're going to try and stay proactive on the team side continuing to make it stronger and i think it's good for sport in general that that the league's growing rapidly and the quality of play is going up and, you know, we have to, you know, we have to continue to try to build, you know, and I, I think one of the things with our league is there's a fair bit of turnover 
you know, we're hopeful to to continue to build on our core where, you know, we, with, with more success, you know, we want to be able to keep a core together even longer. Do you know what I'm saying? But, uh, our priority will always be to, to try and position ourselves so that next year, you know, for us now, uh, we don't want to talk about rebuilding years in Pittsburgh. It's always about how do we get stronger for the next season and appreciate what you guys do. And, and thanks for your time as well. Oh, absolutely. You know, like I said, we appreciate all that you do. We appreciate the transparency. I don't know any other team that, you know, does this sort of thing. So uh, we thank you. The fans thank you for everything. And like we said, obviously, Best of luck this offseason. Have a great holiday, and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking to you again here in 2020. Thanks, Coach. Thanks, guys. Take care. You too. See you. See you. Always great talking to to Coach Lilly. Um, he he makes doing interviews somewhat easy because you and I had a list of like 30 questions, and he just starts talking, and we just start crossing them off because he answers yeah. them as he goes through them. Um, there were a couple things that he mentioned that I thought were, were really cool. One, he mentioned how sort of towards the end of the season, they talked about how they were projecting exactly how many points they need. And like, yeah, so yeah, like I found that fascinating. the game that, that we all play that you, me and Josh and everybody else plays where it's like, Oh, I think we need this many. And this is how many wins they're playing the exact same game in the locker room, trying to figure out what they need to get to. Right. Um, yeah, and, and just and just how transparent they are with the players with that too. I mean, sometimes we question of like, okay, are they ha- are they having these conversations as a coaching staff or something? And um, but no, it's just just to go right. Look, sixty five. That's what that's what we need to hit. <laughs> and yeah, no, and, and like it makes sense. Like it's not unheard of. I've, I you know, like you hear other managers talk about these kind of numbers. Usually, it's like you know, after the season ends, cause that's, that's a, that's a hard thing to do to come out in the middle of the season and say, no, you know, our target 65, cause you're kind of, you know, leaving yourself open to a lot of scrutiny, um, in the middle of the season when you're trying to get that. But, but no, yeah, th- I thought that was fascinating how they, yeah, they have a number that they think gets them to a certain place they want to be. And they just try to hit that number no matter what. Yeah. A couple of other notes. He specifically mentioned that Revere and Forrest are going to get more of a chance this year, which I thought was interesting for those of you trying to figure out what the lineup might be. Um, you know, both of those guys might see a little bit more playing time based on what coach said, saying they sort of earned their spot. So how that plays into who ends up getting signed versus not versus whatever, you know, let the speculation begin. But I thought that was interesting. Um, and also I mentioned it on the air, but I, I think as fans, it's very easy for us to be like, well, we want to know who the signings are now. Like just go out and spend all the money, get all the players because we want to know right now. But the fact that as, as he pointed out in what, 2018, we picked up Tommy V like literally right before the season started. And then yeah. in 2019, we got Mertz right before the season started. The season may have even started at that point. And those are two players that I think if you ask any Hounds fans are key members of that core that you want to see coming back year after year. That just sort of reinforces the whole mentality of just wait, 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 and see what happens. So yeah, what the quote was like, I don't want to get two months into the season and realize I don't have a good enough squad or yeah. whatever. Um, I mean, it, it, I mean, that's, that's a near impossible thing to try to balance correctly um, is yeah. Trying to make sure you, you're getting the right players in, but also trying to get your message across. So um, yeah, that was also, you know, interesting to, to hear him come out and say, you know, look, no, I got to prioritize getting the right people in over giving, you know, yourself a, a big buffer of training camp time, I mean, obviously, you're still getting that with a core group of players, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, look, he didn't he didn't attribute that process to slow starts, you know, this past year and, and years gone by, even. Um, but you know, we can speculate. Maybe that's that's maybe a, an unfortunate circumstance of of prioritizing getting the right players, and maybe it takes a little more time for them to bet in and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, no, it's that was that was great to hear as well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we have plenty of other thoughts. We're going to touch on some of them in our after show here. So um, if you aren't a Patreon follower, head over to mongols.com, click on support the show, jump over to Patreon, and you can hear some of our additional thoughts. I mean, 
I love talking to Lily because literally we could just go on for hours. Um, I I was thinking as we were talking to him, this would be great to literally like just set up some cameras at like the bar at Highmark and just be like, go and like spend four or five hours just like chatting with Lily. You could break it into like a documentary. It would be awesome. So <laughs> we're de- I, I was I was making a list. I don't, of- I don't know if he'd be up for that, Mike. Well, I don't know if the club would be up for that. He's know, got players to sign. We'll Come on. See. He's, I, he doesn't have four to five yeah, hours to dedicate to a very amateur podcast. <laughs> um, but I did. I made a list of questions that we've got to hit him up with in 2020. Um, I know Dan Yost, you sent a bunch of questions as well. We got some of them in. Lily answered some of them. But um, if you have any questions for Lily now or down the road, feel free to send them over to us. And next time we get them on, we'll make sure that we'll we'll get them to him. But uh, otherwise, I think that's it for this show. I think we're going to have one more show left in 2019. So next week. Um, we've got a guest lined up, plus we're going to maybe try to do something special. We'll see. But, um, you know, huge thanks to Lily for stopping by. Like I said, we always love talking to him and thanks to you for, for listening all season long, sticking with us (laughs) one show away from 2020, which is crazy, but yeah, that's it for this one. Thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to USL, MLS, and US soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. As I mentioned, head over to mongols.com, click on support the show That'll get you into Patreon. From Patreon, you can listen to our after show, which as soon as we're done here, Kevin and I are going to dive in and start talking about other stuff, some related to this show, some not. Um, So if you want to hear some sort of behind-the-scenes stuff, then uh, head over to Patreon. Um, Even at $1 a month, you get access to those shows. So go check that out. Um, Otherwise, you can follow us on all of the social media channels uh, where it seems that most of the fans are. You can follow us on iTunes, Google Play, Podcasts, Pocket Cast. Spotify, all those things. Go listen, subscribe. You already do that. Why am I telling you this? Anyway, thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you very, very soon. Cheers.